Let's spell a song so you can sing along with my special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, Sean, and with me today are new guests, plural, to the pod. They are hosts of the Love of Cinema podcast, and they have other things each and of themselves. It's, I'm going to fuck up your last name. It's Jeff Austin Mueller, Dave Green, and John Say. I thought Dave Ooh. Green was going to be the one, but you got him. You nailed him. Oh, fuck nailed yeah. it. Nailed it. Uh, and we're here today talk about oh by the way happy 420 everyone ha ha and we're here today to talk about reaper madness the musical movie the tv film from 2005 the screenplay is by kevin murphy and dan studney music (laughs) emmy award winner i don't know i'm ron burgundy (laughs) i'm bad with names if you can't pick up on that and I don't try to look up a pronunciation any way she performed prior to I think to Studney was right. I think Studney is how you say Studney. it. Music by Dan Studney. Lyrics by Kevin Murphy. Directed by Andy Finkman. Uh, Finkman. Sorry, I may have added an N there on accident. And according to IMDb, an outrageous tongue-in-cheek musical comedy adaptation of the classic anti-marijuana propaganda film Reefer Madness from 1936. Have any of you seen this before? coming on yeah oh you had john other john yeah you didn't watch it like back when we were studying all this shit at uh, elon the weed music i didn't know we didn't study the weed musical although when I, we, we had bfas from elon way to shout it out john way to just hump yeah. right there and um i did think a couple times when we were watching these musical numbers that's what i studied <laughs> i watched some Are of you these kidding, production dude, i can't numbers. believe I like, you didn't see that this. is what we studied I, it's the weed thing i don't know we were it was it was nah, taboo just... back then when we were, I mean, we were in undergrad around this time, and this movie floated around the musical theater scene. I feel like people saw this movie. We talked about this movie. I remember Anna Gasteyer's role was very, very talked about. I heard people yeah. singing the Rave Me, like in studios and crowd. I heard people doing that all the time. <laughs> what studios were you in? Oh, geez. Dude, people were doing it. Anyway, sorry. Let's continue. I remember when frozen was coming out and Kristen bell was part of it and people were like she can sing she can sing i was like hello reefer bendis does anyone remember this thing i mean she she was in the new york production i do believe the stage version premiered in la in 1998 where apparently paula abdul choreographed the orgy at some point get out of (laughs) here of course she did that's funny uh it up it opened off Broadway in New York, uh, October two thousand one. Everyone, oh shit! What a time to okay. open a show. That's, yeah, yeah. That's in yeah. New York. Yeah, Ouch. and then and the how uh, many the, You uh, <laughs> a, a comedy about weed, which like I mean, considering what we went through with the pandemic, I'm pretty sure people in 2001 were also just smoking up after oh yeah weed sales would have gone through the roof (laughs) i know people that are still on it it was illegal back then but yeah very much and this was the time of giuliani and everybody was the crackdowns were huge on drug use and i i I don't know what the scene was like back then for smoking in public and stuff i bet it was still very much on the dl only construction workers were open about their smoking (laughs) 
<laughs> on the on the DL and at college parties, probably. Oh, sure, sure. Out in the open and at the NYU parties, yeah, for sure. But I don't know anything about smoking the reefer ever. <laughs> I, I come oh, from I a would country. Never, I would I, never do that. I come from a country that had a town that held the record for the biggest joint. It was like eight wow. foot long above above the counter of the shop, and that shop burnt down. I think about five or six years ago. And it's like at the end of uh, remember everybody... the escape scene at the end of History of the World Part Two, when they just hold that giant joint out on the wagon, and <laughs> the guys on horseback get, get high and just trail off. Anyway, so. well, so the, okay, in the end of this movie, they set fire to the cr- marijuana crops, and I was just like, isn't everyone in town just going to get stoned? From this? Thank you. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Absolutely. That usually draw the crowd. Right. Oh, that's totally true. Like every, I mean, everybody running up to it. <gasps> I mean, and they're they're clearly still singing. So like, you know, they're they have to take the deep breaths and everything. And you're just like, everyone is high right now. Like you Yeah. I mean, we get it. This is a farce. Have it have you guys watched the original movie, the actual propaganda one? I have not. And I'll just yeah. want to say there's a there is a version of this. Did you guys watch this on Tubi? That was the only place I could find it without renting it. I found it on uh, Pluto. On Pluto or Tubi, so they see some commercials. There was another version where it's just these guys kind of just ripping on it. So it's them just talking <laughs> over the movie. So for a while I was watching that and I was like, I've seen this before. This is not how this starts. But I watched like ten minutes of it. And I uh, I so I have not seen the original other than that, but I kind of fast forwarded through it after watching the musical. And I mean, it's, it really is crazy just how sincerely they portrayed this plot. It's rough. It's also yeah. rough. Cause I'm like, these people are actors question mark. No, it's basically a PSA. Yeah. Right? It's just like, a, it's that quality of a performance. No offense to the filmmakers. Government funded <laughs> film not to have top notch talent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I watched it before recording this just to be just to refresh my memory and i was just like what is happening i mean you could tell that they lifted a lot out of that Mm -hmm. to put into the musical but i was just like oh my god i can't believe people actually thought this and almost 90 years later we finally legalized it crazy dude so yeah sort of yeah (laughs) so okay I just want to get this off the bat too. How do we feel about, so this movie is a farce and it makes fun of everything and everyone, but how do we feel about like the racist tones, the racist jokes about it? Yeah. I mean, usually when you're going to pull that in a film, you've got to have like someone of the race that like like, to pull it off um, effectively, you got to have someone of the race there who's in on the joke and berating them for it. Otherwise, you don't really get away with it, and, and they did not have that. That I, I know when we got to the middle of this, it didn't sit well with me at all. That was tough. I don't well, think let's let's well. clarify and let's talk about it specifically because there's there's always a very large tonal sense of racism from what the government was trying to say about marijuana at this time. It came out of a way to also, segregate also, cultures in just, this in this world. But there's clarify, also very specific so I, racial jokes in this movie, so. Which ones are we talking about? I, so, I, just, I just want to clarify, just so I don't get cancelled. Um, the, 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 the situation I'm citing is Tropic Thunder, where you had Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface, yes. but there was a black guy right next to him going, what the hell are you doing? Sure. So, so like, there's a, middle, there's a moment in the middle of this where, like, the, uh, the Asian-American parent 
mm-hmm. is watching this video in the in the school, and then they allude to like they go to like a a opium den to buy marijuana for some weird reason in the movie within the movie, and they're like, "You don't need babies, do you?" And she gets yeah, looked at like that, that was yeah, awkward. That was fucking. But weird. I'm not this gonna is... lie, you guys. Some of the satire, I thought one of the bullseye moments for me was at the end of this movie where this entire white town is marching around with torches and singing and the black family pulls their children inside. That that was funny to me. I felt like that's kind of like where I thought a lot of this movie was supposed to live. And I thought that was a I thought that was a successful moment. It didn't make me feel uncomfortable. I felt like that, I was, they were very much in on the joke. I was more talking about the Asian moment where that was yeah, that was that was, that was weird. That was eating tough. babies. I was like, I don't get this part. Yeah, it was fucking weird. He had giant chopsticks yeah. too. It was really strange. And the way they had her play it, you know, this is all directed, folks. Like the way they had her react to it. I think they were trying to make the the Asian American parent in the classroom be a part of like this over the top sense. I think it would have landed better if she had a, a very a judgment for it. It was just like what the fuck, like so because then now she's in on the joke with us, and we can think that this is stupid. But she was like scared that the people were going to judge her. That's how but I took is, away that moment. It, it made it me played, feel a it little played like she actually was eating babies. I, I, this, I mean, I get it because earlier when he when Alan Cumming talks about jazz, like that is lifted from the time and from probably a paper from Hearst or something, but which I kind of forgive more. And I and John, I agree with you about the ending where it was the town of all white people marching with with pitchforks and and, you know, um, porches and all that. And I was just like, okay this this other joke that doesn't that kind of fits in the tone of the rest of the movie like i understand it but because also the lyric is like how they're trying to like get rid of things that they don't agree with so you're like oh okay but yeah that asian moment i was just like i don't yeah even even when i first watched this like eons ago i was like this is dumb this isn't funny, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I don't yeah. think it, I don't yeah, think it landed. I, I mean, I think at that point they got caught up in what they were doing, and they were like, "Let's do this as well," and nobody went, eh, "Maybe not." So, um, crap! I don't even know where to go after this because I, I started. I started strong. I feel like with this one, that was a great show. Well, yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> we're done. Five minutes later. Uh, happy, yeah. happy four twenty, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about the music for a little bit then. Let's, let's get in. It. Let's get yeah. into it. Let's so. I, reading the IMDb trivia page for this, by the way, they're like, "There's this is such an intricate movie. It has 16 numbers and all that. And I was just like, have they never seen a Busby Berkeley movie? <laughs> this person who wrote this comment. Like, they talk about how there's all these costumes and choreography and intricate movements and everything. And meanwhile, in film history, you watch a Busby Berkeley yeah. where there's hundreds what... of people doing intricate dancing and everything. But like mm-hmm. I felt like this is typical musical movie, right? Yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, it's it's it also it's beat for beat. Like there are like it's a tour de force of everything they liked about other musicals as well. There's almost just a Rocky Horror in there. There's Grease moments. There's you know every major musical of I want to say the last thirty years sort of gets a little bit of a like an influence in there somewhere. What was the Rocky Horror moment? Um, when they were in um. Hang on, like the was, S&M number? Is that what you're wasn't listening just, to Jesus. just in general the, the I mean there was stuff, there was or... kind of a damage Janet. No, or, it, um, it was listening to Jesus. Not damage. Um 
Yeah, when it, hit it, one suck, put it in your body, Scotty. Or yeah, when she was riding him, Scotty. that was like her touch off, me. And he's got the leaf, the leaf on, just the leaf, and he's running oh, behind that. everybody. Oh, oh, the orgy. 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 oh that was like that was Rocky. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought when she was stripping down, that was like her touch a touch a touch me. I mean, this whole thing, honestly, yeah. like. It, this I think this is probably the closest to Rocky Horror, despite the fact that it has these enormous production numbers that are not exact. I know Time Warp is a big number in the Rocky Horror movie, but as far as cast and costumes, they do try to keep it centrally located in that house, whatever that house means to you at home uh, in Rocky Horror. But um, yeah, they, I think the dam- the Montague, this Shakespeare number is damage. And that's probably what the closest, uh, even the, the tone <laughs> of it is probably closest to that. Oh, the R- Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's like it's, a damn it's definitely a little damn it, Janet. <laughs> Did you guys notice the guy in the background who looks like he's asleep in that I, number? I love that Shakespeare keeps trying <laughs> to correct them. Oh, and they're singing about how great it's going to be because they're Romeo and Juliet, and he's like, yeah, in the background. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice the guy falling asleep. Is it like just a background actor, or was it one like of the one of the extras character? during the wet during the wedding? He's behind <laughs> Jimmy. So any of his shots, there's a guy behind him. I think it's though that his eyes are just closed because, or like squinting because it's so bright. Or he's smoking the props. I don't know. It looks, <laughs> it looks like he's asleep, and I, I've I've seen this movie probably like twenty something times over the years because it's an amazing wow. movie. Okay, good. I was gonna ask. I was like, so, do you like the movie? So that, that I guy, personally like, love it. I'm good. I'm the one who wanted. Who figured out that I have an episode coming out on 420? So of course I'm going to do Reefer Madness. So get that get the nice. beer drinking podcast on. We gotta go. <laughs> uh, that one uh, that one sleeping guy is like effectively the the equivalent of the stormtrooper that gets hit in the head with the door in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> For this whole audience. <laughs> and then uh, and then Dave to go on your point about all the different genre or types of uh, musicals in here. Then with. Uh, the brownie song we get Disney, basically. Yeah. Yes, what the a great brownie choice. song for me was the one I thought was the borderline one. The borderline, yeah. yeah I don't was, know how that, that would like play. Uh, yeah, of I mean that was that was probably the most direct one. We kind of we kind of yeah. got past that in the earlier part where we were talking about the racist jokes, but that one is like a sustained song racist joke. And I don't know, I don't know how. How did you guys feel about it? Did you catch that? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why he banged the brownie at the end. Yes. I don't know. I, I don't know what, yeah, I was why more was into the banging of the brownie, the than brownie at the end. Like... In the in that weird silhouette, it was strange. I was watching this over Easter weekend, and I'm like, just as my family's like coming back from a walk, while this like silhouette is banging a brownie in a bed. Is yeah, that's what I... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean just, yeah. This 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 moment is so trippy. In the whole movie, because the whole movie plays like, you know, they're obviously overacting because yeah. they're making fun yeah. of the source material and everything and all that. But then all of a sudden you get into a cartoon. You're like, what is happening? Because <laughs> it's, it's, I like when you brought up the overacting. It's like because everybody does it and there's not yes. a single person that isn't overacting. And in like, that's the other reason that this works as a great satire, because any any hint of doubt in a performance and this whole thing's blown. Mm, like if you yeah. have one person show a little bit of doubt, it's like I don't know if what I'm doing here is right, or like you know what what I'm doing is good, gone. But no, every single person was a hundred percent into it. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of them were in the New York production, um, mm. 
I mean, Christian Campbell originated mm-hmm. the role of Jimmy Harper from the uh, LA production. So obviously he knows what he's, what he's doing. Um, even the guy that played Jesus was in the New, uh, wow. New York production. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he actually, he originated uh, Jesus, but he also doubled as Jack. So. Oh, yeah. that's Jack cool. Was the that's fun. Drug, Steven Weber character. Jack is the villain. Yeah. The drug dealer guy. Yeah. yeah. Cool. cool. I mean, that, that, that had some Joseph vibes with the Pharaoh, you know, where uh, the Pharaoh was Elvis. And in this case, Jesus was, um, I, I don't, I don't even know. The guy from Greece. Maybe it was a little. It was a little beauty school dropout. Me. Anyway, we don't have. We don't have to do this for every number. I also thought the at the hop number was very hairspray for me. But it, again, it doesn't really matter. Is it true that? Is it true that Nev Campbell, obviously Christian Campbell's sister. Well, maybe not obviously, but yes, that Nev Campbell who could really sing. Now she was the one where I was like, oh, she can sing and dance and dance. Yeah. Yes, she was the she was the surprise for me. Is it true? I, I read this online, yeah. so therefore it must be true enough to mention on a podcast. Is it true that, that Miss Poppy and Jimmy are supposed to have some kind of interaction, but because they were brother or sister in real life, they cut that? Did you see that somewhere online? Uh, no. What I read was that because of her star power, Nev Campbell's star power at the time, they thought of maybe giving her a different role or like beefing up her role to ah. um, because it's Nev Campbell. But the other two major female characters are love interests for Jimmy. And then there's May who's supposed to be like older. So I don't think Nev Campbell could have played May. Cause that'd be, cause she's like 20 years too young for it at the time. Yeah. But then also the other two characters are like, we, it'd be weird to be like, Oh, your brother and sister off screen, but now your love interests on screen. It'll be, it'd be like Dexter. <laughs> oh, yes. uh, yeah, if, you, if you're bringing that up, I'm needing this beer. <laughs> why was she in this movie like how did was it just a favor kind of thing like she um, was not it, at the, the peak guy... of her powers at this point so i, I i'm not saying they got oh, like no. a scream three was most... made before this movie yeah scream was way before this yeah. movie no but she was but, um also she uh the guy one of the guys who started writing it was working on party of five at the time and this was i'm just saying this is after all those things this isn't wild things scream one peak no, part of party of five yeah. nev campbell i think she's on the way out not not that she ever left completely but that little like five-year period this is after that and i'm just curious how she got in this i didn't know if anybody knew any fun casting trivia because i was a little bit like what the fuck is a big superstar in this movie well, <laughs> maybe it was because from, of from what i read she was she was she was with um with one of the writers on party of five while he was writing it she suggested her brother for the role which he then got and nailed, mm. and uh, so they brought there, her in for the movie. There seemed to be and a lot I'm of sure she all the writers get and, it made, and all the writers and producers seem to have been working together for a long time. Also, they won an Emmy for this. <laughs> That's crazy. It played on Showtime. One of the songs. Right? One of the songs. Yeah, Showtime. Which yeah, it was song? a Showtime original like musical. They could not get this on Fox. They could not Hilarious. get this on Fox. They no Oscars. Hilarious. Do you guys know? Well, yeah, could no. you could you even guess out of all the songs which song won the Emmy for best music and lyrics if you hadn't looked it up? I haven't looked it up, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's the Brownie song. I don't think. No, you don't think they submit that to the Emmys? <laughs> no, maybe Murder. Or Five uh, and Dime. No, 
I thought it would have been five and dime. That would have been my guess. I hmm. thought that was the best I thought it would have been the, the orgy, the suck it down, Scotty. That was definitely my favorite. <laughs> oh, I, I would suck it down, Scotty. That was definitely my favorite. Jimmy favorite takes a hit or suck it down, Scotty. Whatever you want. <laughs> um, no, believe Isn't it or not. Is that the opening lyric? Which is, yeah. Isn't oh, that yeah, what yeah. she's saying to him? By the yeah, way, come on. all of these songs had great opening lines. Every single one of these. Some of the songs worked better than others for me, and all of them started well. The, the, the fact that The Stuff, which is the Anna Gasteyer song, starts with, I ought to leave him. Like, as the first line of the song, it's like, fuck yeah. Like, they are commenting on musical theater. This is a satire, but one thing musical theater struggles with sometimes is it forgets that the genre itself is a little ridiculous, you know? And most people say, Howard Ashman said this. He was like, if you take musicals seriously, you're already, you're, you're playing a losing game right off the bat. It's, it's either the best musical ever or, it's, or you failed. So, so what was nominated? No, what, what they were a couple. Um, Mary Lane, Mary Jane, that little duet on the balcony. Are you serious? That's what? the one. I know. I was surprised too. Go ahead, look it up. Hmm. It's not my podcast. I don't want to spread misinformation. It's very, it's very uh, hummable. Oh, no one know, listens just... to this. We can <laughs> yeah. lie all what? we want. <laughs> no, no one listens. Yeah. We came. It's Easter. We. Came. I mean, I mean, yes. Every I, I get all of them. Christian Campbell's gonna write a review on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> What else yeah. was you said there were more than one nominated? That or was I, that the only I, one nominated? I, I think I lied. I think that was the only one. You <laughs> lied on my podcast? How dare you? There were other you nominations, know. like choreography and stuff. But uh, <laughs> are they supposed to lie to each other, Jeff? I just tried to buzz him. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen this like I said, I've seen this movie a, a bunch of times. While watching this though, when we got when I got to Little Mary Sunshine, I was like, did they write this just for the S and M joke? Do you guys feel like that that's the only reason why this they wrote that number so this way they could be like, you know, sexy I, time? I Can you say which, touch, which touch, number? Touch, touch, touch me? Little little Mary Sunshine. I think, meaning the one where she goes nuts when she smokes it? Yes. By yeah. the way, re- really funny that everybody reacts to weed very differently. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that is from the, the original yeah. movie where the, um, the character Mary in the original does go a little loopy and everything. Yeah. Um, there is no musical moments. The the only thing that's in it is the piano part where Ralph tells, um, oh my God, Amy Spanger's characters, whose name escapes me right now, to play faster. That's like- Sally. Sally, Sally, thank you. That's like really the only musical moment in the original Mm. movie. Oh. The S&M, go Jeff. I was going to say, I think, they they had to do first of all they're gonna kill her so they they had to drum up something in order for her to die mm-hmm. and yeah they're tipping their cap to Rocky Horror where they both both these pure sweet innocent people all of a sudden are cheating on each other and it's like wait what the fuck how did we get here that these two like pure innocent people are all of a sudden fucking other people within seconds oh it's the stuff so I I think I think they just wanted her to break bad so that shit could hit the fans so they could kill her and. They, they needed to do that in three minutes. They, they really, well, they really glossed over the fact that he's basically been banging everything in sight for the entire movie. Like it's, brownies, it's blatantly obvious that's been legs, happening. Feet, she, all she was, yeah. Amy, every part of Amy Spanger's body was getting humped by him right before that. I think, I think, I think. Most importantly, though, it was it was them trying to find a device to to subvert what was going to be a very traditional rape scene where the guy was going to take advantage of the girl. They were like, what's the most yeah. intense way we can flip mm. this on its head? And she gets all the power by the end of it. Oh, intense yeah. dominatrix S&M. Yeah, so like, like 
as you're watching it, I was a little bit I, like, I like the it idea seems like what you're saying. But by the time you get to the end of it, it was fun that that guy was terrified of her. Um, it worked better for me in the illusion than the way it actually ended in the reality with her like on him riding him because uh, yeah. I feel like they kind of did all that work to show the S and M aspect, but then it ended with her in a what is what you know it's just reverse cowgirl yeah you know sex position. It wasn't her like beating him in the head or slapping his balls with something that could have just You're strictly right. played by those rules. So I thought it was weird they kind of abandoned that, but I still feel like Actually. the poor, the purpose of that song was. Was to flip it on its head because I was a little cringy at the beginning of it. I was like, "Oh God, he's going to take advantage of her." Actually, you just—I wrote this question before seeing the propaganda film, and a rape kind of does happen in the propaganda (laughs) film with Mary's character and Ralph's character, like Ralph, and that—and that's what causes the fight. And then Jack has a gun randomly, and that's what the shot that happens. So it's like, I, I. now that you mention it, yes, I think they just turned it on its head where they gave her the power instead of him. Yeah. And like there was a moment where I do believe in the real world during the song, she whips him with his belt. Yeah. Yeah. Like right before the ending when it when he's bent over the couch and he's really Yes. Yeah, they totally I feel like that's the point where they totally show you in the real world she is also dominating him completely. But just that last bit of choreography, the way the staging ends with I know they needed they needed him, uh, what's his name, the Jimmy? They needed him to walk in and see her cheating on him. And I guess that wouldn't have been as achieved if he if she was just spanking him with something. It's not quite the same thing. But her shirt was off. I was like, we're, we're there, You're dude. Right. Like, I, think, yeah. I, think... also, I really liked I, the I, Chicago I, split screen in that, though. I, th- I think they could have used it more, but I guess less more sometimes. Mm. Also, when I when I watch this on Pluto TV, like she literally has him down straddling reverse cowgirl, humping away, and it cuts straight Commercial. to an ad for Yellow Jackets. And I'm like, you watched this on Pluto <laughs> TV? What the fuck? You watched <laughs> Reaper Madness? You knew they were gonna do some shit like that? Yeah, it's I love one, that. It was one ninety nine to rent. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even it was try. free for me because I did a same I did a same box thing on Amazon. Now, if you if you like say, oh, put them all in one box, they like throw you some money for. Rent. There were some really funny low budget herpes information commercials though on my Tubi watch. <laughs> so you guys missed Just out. Read the movie. That. What the hell? Dude, I thought it was part hell? of the what movie the... for a second. I was like, this is. <laughs> what the hell is, is your real? browser history? Don, you went on a whole journey watching this movie. You watched the yeah, a commentary a track. You got the herpes commercials. Good. I'm different today than I was before starting this, this whole thing. <laughs> oh, goodness. I I do want to also, like, I, I love Kristen Bell in this movie. I feel like I, this is my this was my introduction to her. I didn't watch Veronica Mars until later in life. So yeah, I've never seen that. Um, but the nuances, uh, we're going to, we're going to talk acting for a hot second here. The nuances of her choices that she made, like, like, especially when, after she dry humps, she like, uh, like flicks her tongue at Jimmy. I was just like, mm-hmm. what? Oh, she's amazing. And I do believe yeah. earlier in the film, if you remember like her introduction, she screams with a gaggle of girls around a turtle. Oh my God. It was so overdone. It's so, why is the turtle there? It's so fucking funny. Yeah. I believe <laughs> I, I heard on the commentary track on the DVD that she ad libbed that line. I thought it was a rat. Like that's right afterwards. And you're oh, like, yeah. who comes up with this shit? <laughs> yeah, man. She's it was so mean, cool. the second Kristen that Jimmy looked at them and they all looked like they were going to like, 
pass out from him looking and they just didn't speak words they just like sighed at each other for 10 minutes it was so funny her commitment during the five and dime scene where she's doing the choreography while talking to him is is what i studied in college that was the 150 grand right there i also i and i loved i mean she knew her job i love the line. one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is they're talking about fdr's coming to town which yeah maybe you know all right they they did they did that in this movie sure fdr that that thing that really happened i'm sure it worked really well on stage the movie you know if it wasn't a musical i wouldn't have believed it but it was a musical so why the fuck not um and it's it's the annie moment it's the yeah yes it's the annie moment even references Um, the annie moment he says something like my dad said he's a no good bolshevik and she shouts this line where she says well i don't know about that boy stuff it's like (laughs) what the fuck? It's so, and then it's politics, satire, all of it. And she just knew her job. She shouted it with a smile. Like, yeah, she, her delivery is good. I'm a little bummed that they didn't auto-tune her a little bit. There were definitely some times where they let the tone be off on her. And I, I'm a little bummed for her because they easily could have corrected that in post-production. But that's my only gripe. Cause I thought when is, when does that happen? Do you have an example? <clears throat> definitely in the Romeo and Juliet, but the Romeo and Juliet song is like kind of giddy back and forth. So it's not too much, but in the five and diamond, that. I think it's just because it's that conversational speech singy, and she has those high, you know, it's that pingy kind of stuff that it's a thin sound, so it's harder to be on pitch the whole time as you go up and down. But yeah, she she was she was off on some of those pitches. It was the intonation was a little off. You got the music teacher here calling. I, out. I picked up on John. A you can you conducted Sondheim. You tell me that she didn't have some intonation things. It didn't bother. It didn't bother me though. It didn't bother. Hey. Yeah, I thought. I thought. Um, I feel like her boldest choice, uh, singing wise, was in the way she performed the. Um, what's the one where she's in the church in the pew? Lonely pew. Like that oozing. one. That Lonely one pew. had some intonation yeah. things, but yes. And I, and I feel like that's kind of what I was saying. Like, devoted. Yes. Yeah, but they feel like they were like, "How do we?" I wonder if they ran that song several times when they were just in rehearsal, and she sung it more legitimately and had some vibrato and maybe full voiced a little bit of those higher notes, and they were like it's not a serious song that this has to be silly. Like, and they just started looking for ways to do it. And maybe that high unresolved pew. And then eventually the resolved pews, they were like, no vibrato, almost whisper it. Like, why are you saying that word so high? Let's like, let's try to make fun of that. And I think it worked. You know what that song is? I'm going to give your listeners a deep cut. That song is all alone at the drive-in, which is a Danny Zuko song in the Grease musical where he's all alone and he's singing in this car and nothing happens. He's literally singing about how he's all alone in the drive-in. Nothing advances the plot. So the movie yeah, cut, they it cut it the that fuck from the out. Movie. They cut it the <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, out yeah. of the movie. I, I believe you. Because Sandy's no, in the song he, and serves the same thing. Oh, yes. drive-in is Stranded at the drive-ins in the movie. Hey, hold on. There's a, there's a difference. There was, okay, hold it's on. It's not. Sandy, I wonder why I, uh, Yes, oh, they changed it. In, in the, it's in the <laughs> musical. The movie. Yes, that's different, right. In yeah, the movie, it was I'm all alone show. at the drive-in, and then they turned it into Sandy. Oh, uh, okay. So it had some purpose. Yeah. It had I some wasn't direction. arguing. I was just. <laughs> Sorry. Are we combative? Get in there. But Argue it. I, no. I. I I don't even know where I was gonna say. Uh, my brain is fried. Chris, Kristen Bell was. Let's great. talk. Let's talk about Anna Gastow, you guys. I mean, she's Anna Gast. I I think this was also like a surprise casting because like when her time. This was around her time on SNL. Ooh, yes. Yeah. yeah. She, this was shortly after yeah, she yeah. left, I believe. I think this was shortly yeah. after she left. Or she was, was still she there. She was Alphabet. Because. But I, had she already done Alphabet when she did this? Because I feel like this was the first time I was like, okay, no, I think sing. this is, 
pre-alphabet. Wicked came out. Wicked came out in two thousand four. That rabies line like, got her alphabet. So she was not the first replacement because no, uh, Dina Menzel was in there for two years, right? They extended her contract for that ridiculous amount. It was like 50 a week in the second yeah. year that she was. And so there was, I don't remember who the first replacement was, but I don't, it was. Um, it wasn't, yeah, Adina, it wasn't Eden Espinosa. Um, Shoshana Bean came in because Shosh- Eden Espinosa did Brooklyn. Shoshana and Bean. Eden yeah, was yeah, number yeah. three. I think Anna Gastara was further down the road. I think this may have gotten her that opportunity. I'm not. I I wouldn't be surprised if this was at least putting her on the map to do other musical adventures. I mean, you guys, you do remember her famous Celine Dion hosting sketch, where she plays Celine Dion, the greatest singer. I'm the greatest singer in the world, and she would just have on pop music stars and like out sing them at their own songs. Like it was always <laughs> really funny. So we knew she could sort of sing, but this was legitimately singing, and I felt like just personally like. She had, she had a maturity to the way she approached all this satire that I felt like really worked, especially like you really need to not feel uncomfortable when you're seeing a female character playing the abuse victim. Like we can't, we can't have somebody who doesn't give us the feeling that they're doing this because they're in a mute. You know what I mean? Like this is a choice they're making and they weren't directed to do so and we're scared for them. Like she totally owned all that stuff for me. I right. thought I thought it was all really really funny. And then the turn at the end, I think my favorite writing choice in this whole musical is the way that they bring all the zombie like hallucination back to life to raise the stakes for her to do something about it in the yeah. reprise of the stuff. They could have yeah. glossed over that, and it could have just been acted. Now she turns around. She gra- yeah, that, that part worked well for me. And I thought that was very creative. You don't see that a lot in the false resolution to the real resolution in in musicals. And I thought they did a great job with that. Well, I think also they also they play on the rule of thirds for her character because we see her first get hit by Jack, Stephen Weber's character. Uh-huh. And then there, uh, right before the orgy happens... He hits her and then, she, well, he she hits him and then he punches her. Like they do oh a little slap table. back and forth. And so then to the for the third and final button of it is she rips his heart out. Uh, literally. Oh, it's so much mm. bloody. It's so great. The hoe. Just, just and also, you know, like and also talking about another choice, like she's covered in blood and she sees that uh, she has to catch the president for the pardon. And then she just stops and puts lipstick on before she leaves. Who yeah, even? She to... Yeah. She still, yeah, she doesn't wipe the blood off. She adds a, she touches up her <laughs> lipstick and then goes like, what's happening? That, that was about where they lost me. Cause like she, she's covered in blood except for most of her face, where she's put the lipstick on. And still gets within six feet of the president. Yeah, the president. It's, it's like everybody takes the fact that she's covered in blood like a bloody champ in the well, like in the, the, in the crowd. What does he say? I he says, hear what she has to say. I for, one, yeah. I, for one, would like to know what the blood splattered lady has to say. <laughs> I think, and then also another surprise casting was Stephen Weber because he doesn't really sing in this, and I don't think he's really a singer outside of this. Right. Mm-hmm. This is Jack, right? Correct. I mean, Jack. Me at, what else has he done? Like who? Who? I mean, his claim to fame is Wings, but then he also did the TV Love movie Wings. version right. of The Shining. 
Yeah. Oh, that God, that scared me when I was a kid. The NBC TV movie version. I know exactly what you're talking he's like a, about. He's like a that guy actor. You see his face, you're like, God, I've seen him. Mm-hmm. He's he's done a few other Stephen King movies, I think. Ooh. And single white female. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, your parents, John, for only letting you watch the uh, the TV version and not the one with the guy blowing the teddy bear. <laughs> I mean, I saw that one too. Are you talking about Kubrick's version? Is that... <laughs> the the yeah. one that Stephen King hates himself. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I I really liked how he played. I'm glad he did. Everyone he was he was living in a world where everybody was going so over the top, and I thought I thought his character worked better with him not going that far. And I'll, we'll never know if that was directed or not. Mm. He would have not seemed. Not that he was actually scary, but he did need to seem like he had status and he was a little menacing. So I like that he downplayed his farcical take on this a little bit, just so we could be like, we're definitely supposed to be a little, you know, yeah. intimidated. But the people in the room needed to be intimidated by him. I, I think with so his it, character, he he was he was playing it intensely and over the top, but he wasn't playing for comedy. No, I, mean, I, I think he the- was meant to be sinister. I think the farcical side for him was more so how he talked. The, mm-hmm. that he affected his voice a little bit to have that 30s, 40s transatlantic. Yeah. I I bought it though. You know what I mean? Like it's not like if he was yeah. in a Humphrey Bogart movie, you would think he's he's doing the right thing. But it, for the case of this, like I could no, see somebody yeah. going way over the top with that stuff. But I believed him. How's tricks, kid? I believed that he that he hmm. spoke like that in this crazy weird world. Okay. I loved the fun. mustache. Seeing the funny papers, <laughs> kiddo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought he did a pretty good job. Does he? Does he bother some of y'all? Did y'all not? No, it? no, he's great. No, I, yeah, I was just it. It was just another one where I was like, he's not a singer though. Like that was more so my, my mindset of being like, oh right, Stephen Weber's in this, but he has a few lines here and there, um, and I think that's on purpose because I don't Do think you... he really is a singer. <laughs> Do you happen to know if on these stage versions, does that character Jack sing a lot more and they cut his songs or changed it to just speak let's, singing? Or... Let's see. Because uh... honestly, that worked really well for me. I am in the school of thought that, especially when you're dealing with farce for movie musicals, I don't like it when people sing so well in a real world. I, I am attracted to more pedestrian style singing in a weird musical world for movies unless it's like like a really brilliant farce or something like like, like you know, La La Land pedestrian I liked I, I'm one of the few people no, that good. I enjoyed that take on it like it's Me not too. opera it's not phantom of the opera you know it's not something that needs a crazy vocal olympic so I like it when they sound really normal even the guy who played Jesus in this yeah you could I, tell I, like I, he had some chops but I like that he wasn't like the most incredible 80s rock singer of all time that may have been funny I don't know but it, it, <laughs> it that worked for me when people weren't the greatest singers because I, I yeah. kind of like we what needed, I was saying needed, before. We Ozzy I felt like they were Jesus. kind of. <laughs> sorry, what? We needed Ozzy Osbourne for Jesus. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that would have been funny because there were times where I feel like, Different like songs. the Pew song, I feel like they were kind of directing the people who could sing really well to not sing as well, and that always makes me very uncomfortable in musicals where you can tell somebody who knows how to sing really well is yeah. pretending to sing the way somebody who can't sing sings. That's yeah. all, it happens in music theater all the time. And it's always maybe be like, oh, just cast somebody who sounds like they're not a great singer. And then it'll be endearing versus like, like when they make people do straight tone and you're like, God damn it. They're holding back. <laughs> I mean, some, yeah. Any version you, of that. I always they, feel like 
that mm. works in a show though like i i spent 10 years in a singing dancing parody comedy show on stage and i was the straight Naked. man basically oh. um but when another guy played that role he had songs but i didn't so they altered it those bastards yeah how dare they i've, I've done karaoke I can't with sing. you uh, what we've done karaoke together yeah you seen the video of that it's not good well you are <laughs> i don't remember the video and i believe i wasn't <laughs> were you guys sober at this moment or absolutely, absolutely not. not no absolutely not <laughs> sober as cats alone in our apartment singing karaoke yeah, we went to karaoke so we could get the fuck out of the house because all we were doing was debauchering ourselves is that a word yeah. it doesn't matter my my party trick is getting oh, hammered in sports bars and doing sweet transvestite it really goes yeah. off we used to be roommates did we mention that <laughs> <laughs> i'm learning a lot <laughs> about you all today <laughs> um but the other thing too that I, I i didn't really think about until this time watching it was that there was a lot of money in this movie yeah those like oh like you've got the the orgy you've got listen to jesus like there's people there's dancing yes they hired strippers for a lot of it we're not we're, yeah. we're okay with that though but like we're okay with that they're not that. sag but you know go with it are they not <laughs> or are they no, they so they filmed they filmed in Canada, so obviously tax breaks. But um, they hired Canadian strippers to be in the orgy, and I believe some of the angels were in. Yeah. Were I'm seeing a I'm seeing a budget of estimated budget of twenty five million. So oh, that's this, nothing though comparatively. Well, comparatively, for, yeah, for this mm. back then with the the lack. I mean, most money and most budgets goes to your stars so i don't know how much nev campbell took for this movie alan i bet she Cumming. worked for scale no, alan, alan Cumming. Cumming was not a huge well he was you know he's not huge well, he was boris not huge here, no. this was mm. this was after the cabaret revival though yeah mm. yeah I at still least he's known think... in some circles yeah if he in, got a million dollars for this, I would be I would be shocked. I so I bet I bet I bet he didn't get that. I bet he got like five or six hundred thousand. Who else are you gonna maximum. get? Maximum. I bet he didn't get anywhere near that. To be honest with you, I like to think he does roles for fun too. Like he'll take a pay hit. Like that's what it's I, gonna be hilariously fun. That's what I thought about Nev Campbell. That it was just like, hey, he we've got like this little bit part for you. Yeah. It's usually played by a dude. You want to play it? And she's like, cool, I'll and, do it. I, and I show your like, skills. Five, five and dime as well for me. Like every single person in that number looked like oh, they yeah. were having the best friggin' time at work yes. that day. But also thinking about the choreography, I was yeah. just like, how many <laughs> takes? Yeah. And yeah. how many times are you like, are we done? <laughs> it was, yeah. It was did actually you get a it? grin. They're about to pass out. It's like... <laughs> we haven't talked about him, but what did y'all think of Alan Cumming, the... The real center of this show. I mean, I really storytelling. I liked him, and I loved how uh, they plucked him into the different characters throughout. Mm -hmm. Which one was your favorite, though? Uh, if you had one of his, like, of like his into his, his little appearances, yeah, his little appearances. Uh, can you list some? Because yeah, I, yeah. I know he popped in a lot. I'm he trying to think. Of... So he was the, he was the satyr in the orgy. You see him uh, making out with Sally at one point. Um, he talks about the jazz musician. He's a. I'm doing this all off the top of my head, everyone. By the way, <laughs> I didn't write any of this down. Yeah, there's no. Right he plays there. a sanitation worker, and after uh, Romeo and Juliet, where he puts the william shakespeare's like the book of william shakespeare in the in the oh, yeah, dumpster yeah, and it turns yeah. on fire 
Um, and then obviously the lecturer or narrator, which is like his stasis character. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's it. Oh, FDR. You played FDR. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. The stasis character is probably, I mean, I liked all the other ones. They didn't, well, you guys answer. We'll talk more about them. No, no, no. I mean, I think, I think you're right. I feel like that was, uh, I like how they created that device to go in and out of, of the songs back to his world where he's give, actually giving the lecture. Yeah. I thought that was really clever that he put himself, you know, in the movie. Um, but I, I, th- I mean, for sure compared, compared to those little things compared to his, his actual MC character, it was right there. And obviously for people, I'm sure people listening to this podcast know, but perfect allusion to him, you know, as the MC in cabaret that got him sort of famous, you know, just in that kind of role again, I thought this was maybe a little bit more similar to um, the stage manager kind of archetype of, of our town than a true MC, since he was supposed um, to be kind of going in and out of all the worlds, as opposed to the MC in Cabaret kind of sits as the MC between the numbers. It's kind of just like, welcome back to reality. This one, because he was able to go in and out. We, yeah. yeah. In Cabaret. I like how serious everything. he played it, though. He was probably... Everyone did a good job. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a negative criticism for anybody else, but every time you would cut back to him, I felt like he was so seasoned and aware of what, of what he was supposed to be doing as that character in each moment that it just kind of felt like, you know, that's what good casting is. When, when you cut back to somebody and you're only, you only feel like you're, you know, you're in good hands and whatever they're doing. Cause he was, what did we just say? I mean, he was asked to do a lot of weird, different things to to service the story. I feel like he always knew what he was supposed to be doing. He tricky also... F- oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, tricky with film, too, because they, they did straight to camera a lot in this, whereas in theater, it's yeah. so obvious. He just taught you to break the fourth wall. And in this, it was weird because sometimes I couldn't tell if he was talking to us, the audience, or the people in that room, because he, yes. for- he also broke the fourth wall in his lecture. So if he never broke the fourth wall in the lecture, then I would have just assumed that we were in the lecture hall. But I guess maybe he broke the fourth wall there so that we would feel like we're part of the lecture. But it it sort of triangulated as opposed to being two different spaces. So it was a little confusing, but at the same time, I trusted him. I felt like I was in good hands. Because there were a couple times where like 20 minutes went by and we we didn't go back to the – I almost forgot that we were watching a movie within a movie, even though he was in the scenes. Does that make sense? Yeah, and yeah. then and then there were fantasy moments in the movie within the movie. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, what yeah. is that? I with, with breaking I, the fourth wall though. There's a, there's a certain power in that when they're like talking to off camera and suddenly they lock with the camera, and I feel like mm. that was used to great dramatic effect because it was yeah. always always when he was part. trying to heighten the drama, he went straight on on lens. And see, I see him more as the leading player in Pippin, where. Mm. The devil, yeah. Yeah, well, because especially at the his last line of the film where he talks about uh, how to exploit people's fear, you know, like that That to me read as like the finale of Pippin mm-hmm. in, uh, in two lines. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you're following him. Like, yes, he's clearly the, is he like, would he be the antagonist of the movie? He's the antagonist that- of everyone. Or well, yeah, I mean, I know Jack. Yeah, I know Jack. Okay, so Jack is the antagonist of the film of "Don't Tell You" or, or "Tell Your Children," mm. which is the rig- actually the original title of *Reefer Madness*, by the way. But I think the lecturer slash all of Alan Cummings' other roles are supposed to like 
represent like the antagonism of the time and still happening about totally. about how people treat marijuana which by the way speaking to go back to the original movie they spell marijuana with an h instead of a j and it's so weird <laughs> marijuana yeah i love it when people it's, pronounce it that way they spelled did it anybody else did anybody else didn't they make fun of that at in some actual... point yeah yeah she says i don't speak no when she's like how it? do i pronounce this word I don't, I, I don't speak. I don't speak Mexican. That's what she says. <laughs> yeah. But then there's another specific joke about the H versus the J thing. Anyway, I thought there was going to be a number after his little, oh, you're Polish. And then the guy stands. I thought there was going to be a number about communism and its ties to, and I thought yeah. they were going to have like a, a kick line of Russians, you know, <laughs> smoking joints and doing the whole thing. And I, I thought that maybe they were, that was a missed opportunity. Wow, it seems like really they set did, it up. You really did go to some other places, didn't you? I mean, come on! I, I would have written that number. John, write this. Write this down. Remember it, yeah. and then when you get to remake this movie, you go for it. The Russian kickline, yeah. basically to life, not to life. Yeah, to life when the when the Russians in the bar and fiddler on the roof, just that amount of intense dancing and cultural extravagance. But they are smoking <laughs> joints and they're making Americans do it with them. Like that's what I wanted. Oh my god. <laughs> This is amazing, everyone. <laughs> Usually, I'm the one that comes up with wild and crazy theories. It's I'm so happy somebody else is doing it. <laughs> set, set them up, set them up like to fly in on like spy balloons as well. Do a modern day telling. The Chinese spy balloon. They, yeah. they oh, could have added this yeah, like yeah, yeah. like Little Shop of yeah, Horrors. Include the Chinese. Yeah, Little Shop of Horrors, but they don't in the actual musical where the plants eat the whole world. This the Dude, marijuana spoilers. could eat all. Oh the God, <laughs> guys, we gotta we gotta yeah. we gotta make this. And Can I just say this off, is yeah. the most this is the most I have ever put my degree in musical theater to use in the history of my life <laughs> post graduating. What? That's this not is... you are welcome. <laughs> I could have burned it for warmth, but instead I'm here to uh... Mom and Dad, they're gonna uh, frame this episode. Geez, I could have burned it for warmth. The heater in my room didn't work. Uh, oh, that's true. Con- controversial. John, uh, get your yeah. show back. Take it away from us, dude. So so um, I I do I do I uh at the very beginning of the movie when he's introducing and he mentions the sh- I, I, just a little fun fact uh, when he mentions that they did green grow the lilacs apparently yeah. that's a real play and it's the basis yeah. of Oklahoma we studied this yeah. so this is what okay. we study this in college <laughs> listen while you guys were, act- were doing actor stuff I was in the tech basement of my own school yeah doing- learning oh, an I actual it, trade well I mean what we did was a trade is but it? I'm <laughs> I was confused by that mo- not that this fucking matters but I thought the dude who stood up and took a bow was the principal not the theater teacher yeah he was, was the principal each no, credited as the principal yeah okay so I just thought that why didn't the theater teacher stand up and take a bow principal was the theater teacher I think that's the, the gag oh okay, no I thought okay. I, I always read it as he's the representative of the school the itself school. Sure. Yeah. So he's like, "Oh yes, I I oversaw the teacher, and uh, yeah, whatever." Like I that's know, later, how I later read on, it. Later on, when he's going about on about love as the most powerful force and everything, I'm like, "Yeah, you're definitely a, like a theater major." I really enjoyed. I'm just going to call out a moment <laughs> that I thought was funny. Um, when they the very quick cut because it's the only time they did it. The very quick cut of um, 
when dude Ralph walks down with, you know, the arm when the cannibalism begins and it quick cuts out to the lecture and that woman blacks out and Alan McCumming is like, and he just Look points back. to his assistant <laughs> to like get her out of there and it cuts dude, right back that, into the movie. Murder, I thought that was clever. Murder set the standard. All showstoppers should have cannibalism and a beheading from this point on. Yeah, that really went there. That was fun. That was fun. That was a fun sequence. So, well, I mean, they they set it up earlier in the movie where they say that this is not for the weak of heart. So, like, you go, you you have that like setup, and then you have like an hour of the movie, and then all of a sudden we get to murder and that, and he's throwing heads and licking. Escalates the hell. (laughs) I found I found this funny too that on I watched it I bought it on prime because she, she has money nice. sometimes um yeah. they they the genres that it's under is comedy horror and then sad and sober i don't understand those <laughs> sober sad yeah. and sober i'm like that's a genre classification they have listed that's so apparently funny. i guess or like why it's rated whatever it's rated i don't know they don't it's weird but like, I mean, it's, what did you guys? It's better than cannibal and humping, I guess. <laughs> but it's What'd less you guys... accurate. That's more accurate. <laughs> yeah. Cannibal and humping, yes. Yeah. What was your favorite? Because um, this is always like a big thing with movie musicals. Stylistically, you kind of have to ask yourself as a as a director: Are we creating the illusion with it at, when we're singing that we're kind of having a proscenium take, like? now we're in this world where they're singing and we're going to kind of film it as though they're on a stage because there were examples of that in this movie but they also did some busby berkeley examples over the top verticals you know god's eye view Mm -hmm. they also had just tighter coverage handheld stuff and tighter tighter moving camera things that made it feel a little bit more like how you would cover any movie did you feel like one worked better than the other um and if so were there certain set pieces that you thought like I don't know why they pulled out so wide there or why they didn't did, did any of those things like stand out to you or work better or worse or i love the esther williams of it all in the brownie number <laughs> I, oh I mean, yeah that was the animation was fun that was, that I, was, know, that was fun. I noticed once we got into the uh like once it started to take a downward turn and head towards like of the obvious you know murder like fest at the end of it they stopped doing the like the studio pullouts and then having yep. like the, the sets and stuff like that and like they changed tone to a more abrupt so it's almost like the tone changed as the movie devolved like as yeah it got well yeah. like, that, they, i think that's that like... the point to get darker and we're, yeah. we're going towards the song murder yeah because like, like we have was to cut get... like, was cut like a horror movie Yes, I really enjoyed that as well. And I think just in general, they covered tighter in the drug house and they covered wider whenever they were with um, the the ingenue couple at the beginning. I feel like all their stuff was pretty pulled back and we were kind of just able to watch them on their balcony or watch them in the backyard and see all the backgrounds and stuff. I personally enjoyed it when they were tighter. And I think they opened tighter too with the way they covered Alan, Kimming, Alan Cummings' Reefer Madness intro song. It felt... Don't get me wrong. There were plenty of like wide shots where they were watching a group of zombies, you know, shushing down the hall and shit. But um, I think I think I liked it more when they tried to make it feel like the movie, except for the orgy scene. I liked how they covered that in a very traditional movie musical way. I thought that worked for me. I don't know. What confused this always confused me is that when we have moments like the orgy, uh, listen to Jesus, Jimmy, and then even the 
SM part of Little Mary Sunshine with the half naked people there. I'm like, is this in the movie that the parents are watching, or is this for us, the yeah. audience members? I, I, I thought they, I, I always the, thought they were seeing all of it. Yeah, the, the, the bondage stuff they were definitely seeing because they were reacting to it. It kept, it cut back to them occasionally. Well, because the other part is uh, in the orgy. There are quick cuts to reality where Jimmy oh, is like stumbling in the hallway and he mm-hmm. beats up the, you see the clams and everything. So I'm like, is this for us or is this like actually happening in Tell Your Children? I think we're the supposed- fact that you've seen this 20 something <laughs> times and you're still asking that question. Andy Fickman yeah. and the writers. Yeah, they nailed it. <laughs> like, they yes. smoked a whole <laughs> bunch of crack that day. I don't, I don't. Well, also, I'm, I watched it a little more critically this time for this because of this mm-hmm. of discussion like this. The other times I'm just watching it for fun and, you know, I'm. It is not funny. Sober. That's what they want, right? I mean, as as uh, extravagant as it is, that that's what they want. I think that I think that's the reason this movie's successful is because ultimately they're not trying to hide in some ulterior motive here. All, they really do just want you to have a good time. And yeah, there is this other thing too, but that really is paramount for them. And so for the Jimmy stuff, I think they do want you. They, they, that is, it's ridiculous and it's so absurd and it's so unrealistic, but. The audience has to see Jimmy go crazy. So yeah. wh- whether he's throwing pasta at his family for whatever reason, whether he's walking in on a shower <laughs> on the shower with his mom and then smiling about it to camera, as ridiculous as it is, we're supposed to believe that that's real, even though we know that that's so ridiculous and it's not because we're just having fun watching it. Mm. But it I, I feel like as well that... that was almost it was almost like Inception. There was like the people watching the yeah. movie and the guy in the movie having a trip and seeing this stuff. So we're seeing what he's seeing under the drugs back right right back and they're they're watching. Yeah, it there all. is some perspective thing there. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like it is interesting that they, that they don't it. they never showed I don't think there was anyway, there was never like a shot of the projector screen displaying the movie in those kinds of moments, you know, where it would be which would right. have really clarified. So I th- I thought I also thought maybe at some point yeah in 2005 did they did they consider (laughs) did they consider ever showing like kind of like what you're describing john like no they didn't show those crazy hallucinogenic moments in the actual film the lecturer was showing but maybe inside the minds of the parents they started thinking oh my god this is what could be happening or what's really happening well because they clear well to piggyback because clearly reefer madness the song doesn't actually happen like the events right. of the song don't actually happen exactly. it's in somebody's imagination so so that's what i'm saying in another way i feel like they set up a rule storytelling wise at the beginning kind of went away from it and i was wondering why they never really took advantage of that again because we now know that what is happening inside that classroom from the first moment is completely inside their heads the lecturer is controlling it he's, he's dictating and projecting and talking but He's he totally made that fear happen in the beginning, and that didn't really happen to them, obviously. So it's kind of weird they didn't play with that again. Don't do it, Jimmy. They didn't start with drugs, zombies. (laughs) What a funny like! How many meetings do you think they had about the costume design and makeup? Like now, what? What are they? They're like they're are they eating them? Thank God they had the show. Thank God they had the show. They probably took them to the show and said the drug house was the house from L Word. It was apparently the L Word. The L word. It was the, it was the house from the L word, and they covered over the pool with the uh, marijuana garden. That's how they were able to <laughs> up out of the. Wow, I do yeah, have to say show. though, every 
it's a cool effect at the beginning of murder where jimmy is like the scarecrow and you see the yep. smoke coming out of his clothes like from his neck it's such a great effect and i'm like i wish there was more of that in the mm. song because mm-hmm. he's still on mm-hmm. that post for a while but like uh yeah mm-hmm. good times had by all does anyone else have anything they want to mention before we get to sharp and flat um is this I mean, a group no I- other than the fact that they lit a baby on fire, I think. Um, oh yeah, that's dead. crazy. How is that baby not dead? Like, how yeah. is that baby not dead? That's crazy. That was very. I don't tra- know if that they, was very train guys, spotting for me when I saw that baby. Spot- I was like, oh no. Yeah. Do you know? Did y'all think that they? <laughs> a trip. To I don't business. know if that joke worked for me. To be honest, it was a little distracting just because nothing else in the movie was, it was a little that. too real too it's a little too I, real i feel like these people had note. lives and stuff it was like oh like there's yeah. a note from the producers like at the point where she like sold it to the chinese apparently and then she's um, pregnant I, I again feel, later i feel like it was well i feel like yeah. there's a note going oh yeah, it's okay i have another uh, get, one just the get the baby oh. out of there like, no more baby right, that's what she was selling her baby that yeah. I, I made the wrong yeah, at least, earlier because anna gaslar had to like no he's too young and then she would sing like oh i was I was like that when I was that age, but Amy Spanger didn't have that moment. So to have this baby was was risky. I will say kudos to Amy Spanger for pulling it off. And either that or the baby got a better offer and went to another show. All right, I want to buzz you so bad, you fucking. <laughs> Amy Spanger, we didn't call her out, but great stuff. I thought uh, she, I thought she did a good job. Sexy, funny, ridiculous. Sung the shit out of everything. I that? liked, I liked her singing. Um, I don't know. If I, I can't mean, turn him on, he don't have switches. We don't have switches. That's, which, that's which is a subtle gay joke, everyone. Huzzah! Uh, Huzzah! But I, I liked her. her you little know, riff at the end of the, the very end of the movie with the the descending riff that just lives in every great music theater pop riff of a song of all time is lady liberty when she comes out the very oh, yeah. end, like her final little flourish at the end that was funny I, um i do miss amy spanger and things like i, yeah, I, I love listening to her on the uh rock of ages yeah cast album mm. She's in she's in the original Tick Tick Boom as well. And I'm just I was like, gonna say, that's that's funny that she was in the original Tick Tick Boom too, because that show was on off off Broadway. The same time right, as this nine eleven happened. So it would have been the same time as Wait, this. So I think I thought it was just, interesting that they grabbed her for that. She was in the original uh, Rock of Ages in New York? Yes. Who'd she play? The girl, the lead. Sherry. Okay. She was Sherry. Yeah, Sherry, thank you. Right? I, I think I met her. Huh. Met her. Nice dude. Yeah, I spent two days with the cast filming uh, um, when they were doing the 20, 20 year anniversary, uh, and they did it live together with the New York and the LA cast. We filmed the New York portion. All right, awesome. easy with the that name was, that, dropping. Whoa, that was two days, of, was two days of amazing fun. That was two days of amazing fun. Those guys are great. Oh, way to show off on my podcast. He's, All right, let's talented man. Let's, let's get to, let's get to sharp and flat, shall we? Sharp flat. Uh, so in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. Um, <laughs> I love this, humor. by the way. We're a positive film podcast where we have to keep it positive. So I love that this skirt, this fits into our format. Well, this is, well, this, and like the flats are mostly like, I didn't like this because, or I thought we could do something better. You know what? Let's start with flats. And I will, I'll tell you, I flatted... The domestic abuse, I didn't think that that really needed to happen. Mm. It felt I mean, extra. It could have happened once. I don't know if it needed to keep happening. Like, once would have 
I, I, yeah, he needed once, so then this way it paid off with short her of ripping once her heart have, out. Once would have sent the message, but that's that's how not much what I meant that, to say. <laughs> how much of that, you said you've seen this a lot, John, how much of that has been impacted by living in a, a post-MeToo world? Are we thinking about that more often, or did you feel that way when you watched this in the mid-2000s as well? Because I felt the same way, but I think a lot of it is because we're thinking about these things differently. Yeah, you know, everything everything matters now that maybe we thought we could get a you know we could just laugh at at a different time. I mean, also they're hamming it up because yeah, of the farcical to, nature. Yeah, I think they knew what they were trying to do. They weren't trying to be <laughs> offensive or take it lightly. I mean, it it wasn't just thrown in there as well for for nothing. It was relevant to the plot, like you mentioned it, the rule yeah. three. It's like yeah. But, it, but it, you're right. It, it, I mean, that sort of thing always makes you feel a little iffy when you're watching. See, here's the, here's the thing. I've, I've had this conversation a lot when it comes to comedies because comedies don't age well, period. End of story. Because <laughs> yeah. like the change of the conversation happens over time as to what we thought was once funny is now not funny anymore or what we now find funny we didn't find funny originally. So like I for me, I think it's a question of like, the humor of this and like establishing their relationship, which I'm still confused as to if they are dating or if it's like, he's her dealer and is cutting her a deal. If he could stay there at her house, whatever. But I just thought if people are now watching it, it's going to give a different message. And we're, we, we're all learning as a society where it's like, this isn't funny period. So Mm. yeah. My other flat, though, was the crotch shot that's in the orgy. I was like, why is this here? I didn't need... Because they because they gave him a huge bulge. His bulge was enormous. Not <laughs> so... his. It's oh. the... It's, uh, oh, <laughs> when, when, they, when they're lining up to hump each other in the line, you see a shot of, uh, of the strippers. I'm assuming these are the strippers. The stripper dancers' oh, right. crotches. And I was just like, I don't understand i i know why it's there but i don't know why it's there like why we needed that to be edited in for that like one second of film yeah it's in it with kristen bell too that okay the touch of touch me scenes happening but then in the finale when she's like in hell she's snm and devil and then they, they linger it a lot they're like we can give her more cleavage in a different outfit they did that there as well is that your flat or or Is this just not the same kid? flats? Did I miss a moment at the beginning of this? I thought we were no, no, no. So we each had get, we each could list our own flats. That's the whole. Oh, point. okay. Oh, That's the whole point of this. We're that. we're all we all list talked about it, but now we're actually think saying our opinions on things. So yeah, two flats is a whole note. Dave, Jesus Christ! I think uh, Dave. I think I think I, I think I guess I would list that as a flat, but almost because I think I needed them to maybe go even further if they were going to go with that sexual exploitation so that it wasn't like, sometimes it did feel like it was kind of peppered in, you know, I just didn't know if it was, uh, if it was as overt as it maybe it needed to be so that it was strictly a joke and not just sexual representation, but I don't know. Like I get it. We're, we're in the song called the orgy. They're going <laughs> to simulate having sex, but I'm like either go, yeah, go further or like, why is it, why did this one, Last. Especially because, like I was saying, that about the camera movement and composition and stuff, that was shot so wide and so, you know, Busby Berkeley style in so many moments that the really tight cut-ins felt 
I don't know. I I wasn't quite sure like what the intention was when the sexual stuff was. Uh, it felt kind of safe when you're in your wide. Like yeah, this is how musicals portray this kind of stuff. You can imagine their bodies are actually touching and who's wearing their nude thongs and shit. But to actually cut in on it, it just felt different. So maybe it threw me off just because it felt so different the way they covered it. And I just don't know if the language worked. Uh, we already said it at the beginning, but I think maybe my only like true flat was was the Asian American woman's uh, racist the joke at her expense, as opposed to the yeah. racist joke at the end with the black family. I didn't feel like it was at their expense, and that's why that one worked for me. So I think that first that middle one bothered me a little bit more. It's it's small. I don't think anybody should not watch the movie because of that. But that was probably a flat for me. I mean, I, this one was hard to find things. <laughs> And yeah, it's like I I I really do like this movie to the point of loving it, and I'm like, there are it's just like the com there's some com- comedic things, and I'm like, did you actually age well, or are we still good? Like, like are you should I not like you anymore? I feel like there's always the exercise that you know what if we're gonna be people who love movies, like it's really important for us to do this. We because we do this with. Movies are not musicals and plays where you can change things. And there's a whole debate about whether or not we should do that as well. Um, but you got to be able to put on your time capsule, you know, hat when you watch certain things, because, you know, if you're only going to judge it from your perspective, like art isn't supposed to just say, how do you feel right now about everything? It's supposed to open your mind and whether or not art or, you know, this is art or entertainment, you know, you got to be able to just ask yourself, like, were they just trying to, you know, was this at somebody's expense or was it actually successful in terms of just humor? So even like the Asian American joke, I think in the moment it was a little cheap, but it didn't like make me feel that bad for anything. But right now yeah. in this time, I mean, we I might I think... cancel an entire movie because of that moment. Yeah, and, and I think it was all in good, that's it was all in good faith. There was no ill intent there at all. Um, so, yeah, that is definitely open to interpretation. Right. I think the yeah. plot for me was the Asian man eating the baby with the giant chopsticks. I don't think that that there's no way of getting around that. <laughs> no I'm gonna agree. played well. No way it played well then. You know what I thought about you guys? Like just I mean, to I don't raise know, the maybe, on this. I mean, let's let's be honest. I bet you it did play well in certain circles. You know, it's similar to like a lot of these comedians that are getting jokes about things, and then people laugh in the audience. So it's like the weirdest like. Well, let's let's too. let but me raise the stakes on this. Moment, it's just it's just not right. It was too bad that did it. I don't know how the stage version played out the brownie song, but did they cast an African-American young woman to play the brownie on stage? Let's see. When does it happen? You know, I mean, that's uh, I was thinking, like, would a, put, put yourself in, in her shoes. What, how I would mean, you feel well, about doing that with the right take on it and the right satire, just like in Book of Mormon? It's like there's there's ways to successfully say, like, we have all the power as the storytellers. We know this is a joke. And if you don't, then fuck you, because you're missing the whole point of this satire. But yeah, I mean, I mean I, Book, for some Book reason, the Asian American one didn't work for us. Yeah, Book of Mormon does that. Even Beetlejuice, like in the opening number there's a of the musical, there's a <laughs> song called I Know You Woke, But You Can Take a Joke Here. Like there's a line in the song. <laughs> um so yeah i guess i guess that might have been a nod to that um while you're looking that up i have to ask mary jane mary lane was that the act one ending no there isn't actually it, act one finale no. that they cut but it is right before the act one finale okay because that really felt like that and that that is my flat i'm sad to say because oh my by god the, the emmy that, award winning song by the end of that i wanted to murder them both uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just like, what? We're just repeating the same thing over and over again. Come on, move on. 
It, you, it, you knew what was coming right after that, though, because you've seen movies. Yeah. <laughs> you knew they weren't running it away was, happily ever after. There. It, yeah, I know, but it was just like day. getting through that song. Like, we're just repeating one line over and over and over again for like Emmy, a minute. Shiny trophies. They really, right. What was the vamp? They, yeah, what was the they vamp? They did, did they, they, they had a vamp. The what? Do you know what I'm talking about? There was, a, there was a vamp in the middle of that song where they were repeating. That, yes, like, I love you. Got to, got to, got to. Li-. That part? Was or, it where it showed or, like every different character oh, like was love by, love, love, they, by, they, love they, by Mary, by Mary Lane. Lane yeah that was yeah they were they were really proud of that yeah um, <laughs> so in yeah. the in the stage version in the original L A one there was a song called Dead Old Man which they kind of touch upon in this where he hits the man with his with Mary's car uh, and then <laughs> um, Jimmy's on the run. And that's the end of Act One finale. And Act Two starts up with Jimmy on the lamb, which was cut for the movie. Um, and then he goes to a train station where he, where Jack meets up with him and gives him a brownie, and turns into the brownie song. With uh, train station patrons join him, and that's all I found on Wikipedia. I don't know what any of that means. I guess it's up to the director of you yeah. know, whatever production. Um, okay, let's 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 go more positive now. Let's, pos- let's, let's go positive. Let's, let's get do some, fucking positive. Let's do some sharp. I have like a shit ton of sharps to get through anyway. Yeah. So my first sharp is for Blumsack, the assistant, especially in Mary. The, the I, <laughs> Dave, I know you hate Mary Lane, Mary Jane, or Mary Jane, Mary Lane. But like when he's when they cut to them dancing in the classroom, and he's just like dancing like an idiot. Like I just love him. I don't that know. was charming. I liked him too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm giving a sharp character. I'm giving a sharp to all the the women of this movie. There's four of them, so they they did. I, they all understood. Like everyone in this movie understood the assignment, but like I gravitated more towards their humor and their moments, especially Kristen Bell, Amy Spanger, and Anna Gasteyer. I believe they have like those little moments that I talked about where like Anna Gassar puts on lipstick when she's covered in blood or yeah. Kristen Bell, especially, especially in the, the dream sequence of uh, little Mary sunshine, where she has the pokers up or the, the, um, yeah, the brands, whatever. the brands, the branding. Yeah. yeah. The cattle yeah. brands. Yeah. Like yeah. the face that she makes, she's like, ah, ah, like all those little things. Um, yeah. That's the Kristen Bell we know now. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm sharpening Shakespeare trying to correct jimmy and mary because it's mm-hmm. so <laughs> funny yeah, yeah, yeah. um funny. i i'm sharing the song listen to jesus jimmy because like the that whole the whole thing is hilarious and great and the spectacle that i want um costume change into satan is amazing yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Uh, I'm I'm sharpening a throwaway line from Mary, where during Mary Jane, Mary Elaine, where she asks him if, uh, "Did you take my car?" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, funny. and then my last sharp is clearly seeing Anna Gasteyer stunt double. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, fighting, <laughs> the 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 fighting, the the twirling of the the hoe or whatever it is that she has, uh-huh, and then. Uh-huh. And then it's also uh, the somersault that happens right before she uh, stops FDR's car. I was like, these are clearly this. This is clearly the stunt double, and I love mm-hmm. it because it felt. I felt like that also went with the camp factor of the rest of the movie. Like they're like, we're not hiding. We're, we're kind. We're doing old tricks of like the her head. The back of the head is to the camera, but like it, 
it goes with it because you're clearly like this person isn't the same build as Anna Gasteyer. <laughs> they may be wearing mm-hmm. the same <laughs> wig and dress and everything, but they're two different body types. I'll sharp the uh, the noir colloquialisms and kind of twang that they that they had. Mostly Amy Spanger and uh, Jack, the guy who plays Jack. Why do you forget the five feet and concentrate on the nine inches? I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that. I, and it was fun that the town, I guess I'll sharp this as well, that the rest of the town was not living in a noir, but their little house and their little world was a noir. I thought that was I thought that was charming. Uh, I'll totally agree with the women. I mean, looking back now, what we know now, what's happened to careers and success, it, you know, some really, really uh, successful, but have become even more successful performers in those roles. And no surprise, I guess, just from what they were able to do here. I'll, sh- I'll sharp all the movie references that we talked about. I'm going to sharp how Jimmy and Sally went from, hey, we should fuck in this car to oh we just killed somebody really quickly um that happens on the fly i was never here um, then kills your erection um, like a dead body and Anna gas there has to be a sharp my favorite number by far is the reprise of the stuff it's so yeah. good every single yeah, every single that beat that she did ah there's another one i can't remember dave what do you sharpen I'm going to sharp the entire five and dime number. Yeah, same. Yes. That, I was, that, that is what got me. I, there, I was, this started up and I'm like, okay, this is going to be nuts. Um, and when we got to five and dime and it, it's like, I've done two tours of Hairspray. I, I love this thing. Like, and also just the energy that came out of that. It was like, you can't stop the beat in a diner. <laughs> right. And, yeah. And everyone's having fun. Everyone's on point. Like everyone bought their A game to work that day because they knew what they were up against. And yeah, it's it's that sold the rest of the movie for me. No matter where they yeah. went, I was on board from that point on. You know, oh, in... sharp. Go I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know how in Marvel movies, like the, all the men like do thousand crunches right before their shirtless scene. I feel like uh-huh. Five and Dime is like all the dancers being like, okay, we got to stretch. Oh, yeah. we got to yeah. <laughs> yeah, stretch every single muscle in your body, even your pinky, like make sure you stretch it. Cause we're going to, it's going to be a couple of days. <laughs> it was intense. I'm definitely going to sharp the, uh, I think my favorite, like what the fuck moment is the, the Brownie song. Just the, just for standing <laughs> out as like a, Wow, what the hell was what a that? Which, yeah, I think he, he was almost he went from being off the reefer to being so high he's animated. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. Like that. Which right is, outside you know, yeah. after who's, uh, I mean, in context, yes. Anyone who has eaten versus smoking, like I do Anybody like that they try to raise the stakes. Piece of cake or brownie and yeah, all of a sudden it's two a hours different later experience. you're like, what the fuck is happening? That yeah. brownie is so green. I it's thought so it was so obviously green. Yeah, I was like I was like that looks it's like a mold. lawn cake. It's ninety percent mold, ten percent oregano, and no brownie. Yeah, it's a lawn cake. I want to. I want to sharp. First of all, Alan coming as the Wolf Man was another character that I didn't mention before. I just. I don't even remember it necessarily, but I just wrote in he's going in for it as that wolf guy. I. I, I want to say it was, it was before the clams. It was after Seder? Jimmy. It, it must have been the orgy. It must have been. It must have been the orgy. He's a he's a satyr. He's, he's not a wolf. Fuck. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say, okay, different that. Alan coming. Sharping that. Okay, I'm sharpening that. Um, any time 
in the they, they tried to say anything in the actual presentation of the movie he always turned it around brilliantly so the thing about the like the communist line he was like that name short for this russia ah which is so noir like and the guy's screaming and even the love thing which was obviously set up by him and he says it's vigilance like every single time he did that he pulled it off he, he really pulled it off how <laughs> is that collage supposed to show vigilance it's clearly <laughs> <Yeah>. love <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sharp the man who kept the dissidents in the crowd. The guy who's like the only person who was kind of like confronting it. The sweet guy. I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought that I thought that role was necessary. Um, and I thought he did it with a, a it was very endearing. The, the casting that man, I thought he did a oh, good job. With that. And Ralph, Ralph opens this movie by just being like completely blitz and high. So he totally set the tone for the whole thing. And that's exactly Crazy. who his character was there. Ralph was fantastic. Yeah. John, Crazy. John Kassir, who is the uh, crypt keeper. And he was yeah, in, yeah, he yeah. originated that role as well in huh. LA and then brought it yeah, to um, off Broadway and everything. So God, he was good. Uh, My favorite part of his though was when he lost a lot of the, the manic power. Yeah. There's a there's a power that comes with being the craziest person in the room, Red Ross, if you will. And I thought <laughs> right, when friends. he when when that was taken away from him and that that was my favorite performance of his was in uh Mary Mary Little Mary Little Sunshine. Mary Sunshine. Yeah, I think, yeah, I thought that was great watching him be a little like be brought down to earth just a little bit and seeing him freak out because of that. That was awesome. I loved how he played that. Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? By this, I mean, like, you're not watching the movie. You're, like, going to the store or, like, you know. I already said it, but, Anna, I, I mean, it was in my head, you know, Same. lots of years ago. But that, that line leading up to her singing Rape Me in, like, a high G sharp or whatever the fuck that note is, like, that's <laughs> fucking funny. I hadn't thought about that in a long time. And everyone's, what? <laughs> everyone's turned yeah. around on the street. Fault of those lines, uh, that line got me. I I really can't. I think I'm with Dave that I think the most memorable hummable tune was one of my, not my standout numbers. So the Mary J. Mary Lane was probably the thing that's still in my head. Yeah, it's in my freaking head right uh, now. The stuff, the stuff, the original and the reprise, I think are definitely the best numbers. I, I thought those were good, were good songs that did a lot of really fun things with story. So not just cool songs. How about you guys? Any any life's playlists I, editions? I said, yeah, five and dime. The stuff and both five and dime. I listen to this album on the regular, and on this album on the soundtrack is the cast recording from the the ninety, the two thousand one, as well as the cut numbers. Which from... one's better? I know they're different. You don't want to compare them, but if you had See, to compare them, here's the thing, and I say this about any musical movie. I. I, I I gravitate more towards the musical movie because they are allowed to have more. They can go bigger. They use they're not uh they're not written for what can be in the theater. It's like there's mm. a they're studio musicians. They can the I feel like the composer or the music supervisor of whatever movie it is can be like okay this is what I'm actually envisioning. I'm I want a larger. I want more, and they can have more. Because they Unless have the budget to is. do more. You what? John, what is Unless your... Unless you're lame is, I'm still bitter about that. <laughs> John, what is your favorite movie musical? If if I if I had, you know, feet to the fire, gun to the head, you have to say something. What is your favorite if you had to? The last Just five to give years. me an idea. Okay, okay. 
Last I actually years. do like the last five years, but that's not my favorite. I think my favorite would be Moulin Rouge. I would Ooh. in the in in this oh, heat of the moment. Dude. In this heat of the moment, I'm going to pick Moulin Rouge because that that to me redefined music musical movies for the 21st century. Yeah, good choice, dude. That is a fucking great answer. And, and movie I'm going trailers. sincere. If I'm going sincere, that for sure. My favorite comedy is Singing in the Rain, but like, yeah, Moulin Rouge is. That is next fucking level. And like, like elevated what you can do with movies. Like it wasn't just what he was doing with the musical genre. I feel like it just fits so well with what Baz Luhrmann does. Anyway, yes. I was just curious. I was just curious. Gun, yeah, gun to my head. I'm saying, I'm going to say Moulin Rouge because that's great choice. Yeah. And like, and like, that's the one I keep, I'm keeping all this in. I don't think I'm going to edit a fucking thing out of this. Uh, that's the <laughs> one where like, you know, I'm th- I'm thinking of Elephant Love Medley where like I can Ooh, sing God, either part. Absolutely. It's or fucking, both. I think that is a masterpiece. I love that movie so much. Um, Jeff, do you like Millenners? Are you a Millenners fan? Yeah, the first time I saw it I was trying to make out, so I didn't remember it. But the next time <laughs> I think I was unsuccessful. The next time was good. It was a good I movie. think so too. I think you probably were unsuccessful. <laughs> next time too. you you got first base? Uh first base. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a movie. Place. I've probably seen that movie. 50 times there were there was a period of my yeah, life I've, where seen, I was, I've seen that a lot i watched that a lot i really loved that movie so and like and like that one like if that didn't happen i don't think this could happen either this mm. this movie or any really musical movie post that one uh and then obviously chicago is the one that like solidified that musical movies are cool yeah. again Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes. Hold on. Sometimes. sometimes <laughs> I, listen, yeah, I listen to your nine yeah. episode. You know, yep. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was like, oh right, Rob Marshall did also do nine. Oh, never mind. Yeah. You should listen to our Dear Evan Hansen episode. <laughs> I haven't oh, seen boy. the movie, and I'm really nervous your, for whatever. Listen, listen to oh, our episode instead. Yeah. Uh, has everyone answered life's playlist? Yes. No. Dave. D- so. Dave, did you say something? Um. No, I. I don't think. Uh, maybe. Five and Dime, but that's it for this one. Nice. Jeff, did you answer? Five and Dime and then both of the stuffs. That's okay. it. The stuffs. I think just those oh, ones. Yeah. Although, honestly, in, stuck in my head is um, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Listen to me, Jesus. Or listen to Jesus, Jimmy. Listen to Jesus, Jimmy. That's, yeah. that's stuck in my head. <laughs> oh, and another fun fact about that. Joan of Arc is played by the same person. She's fucking who- French. <laughs> She is fucking French. She is not French. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean in the in the what is oh, that? Yeah. Is that? Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like she's played by um Do you guys remember a little show in the nineties called Step by Step? hundred percent. And I recognized I was like, who the fuck is She played this? the tomboy 100%. daughter in Step by Step. Yes. Oh, whoa. Yes. Weird. Whoa. Right? Yeah. When I found that out, I love the guy that lived in the van outside, and my parents. Cody, I love that guy. They hated that I love Cody. They're like, you're gonna get a job. And Keanu Reeves. (laughs) When I found that out years ago, I was just like, "That's Al." What? Al. Oh fuck, dude. Whoa, Al. I thought was her name. Wow. That was that was the character name. Uh, And on that note, everyone. We're done. <laughs> we did it. I'm here for all music puns, everyone. I actually had a natural that I ended up cutting, not saying it, so whatever. Uh, um, so Jeff, Dave, and John, what do you have to plug or and or promote? Hit it. 
Uh, well, we're recording air tonight. We're a positive podcast, so we try to keep it positive when we talk about movies. We also drink, so anytime we say something negative, we buzz each other, hence those references, so we have to take a drink. So we've covered a, a lot of new movies that are out. We did all the Oscar movies, you know, and we're going to try to start doing some limited release things. So hopefully a lot of the Sundance movies that are starting to come out. Uh, but we all have musical backgrounds, so we always try to get to those musical movies too. Yeah, it goes well, our musical movies. Like we, West Side we went of... well. We love the West yeah, Side. Yeah, we had West Side. That was the first one that we actually liked. Yeah, we're pretty... I was singing, yeah, in, singing the in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. In the and Heights, just a, just a... we were pretty positive on In the Heights. Just not I was on... super positive on In the Heights. Just not on the whole. But we yeah. are on... Um, you can find <laughs> us on all the usual podcast platforms, and we also have a YouTube channel if you want to check us out there. If you enjoy watching TikTok, people talk about this shit, too. Yeah, what is and the... TikTok, yeah. What is the handle for all of those... Dave, somebody. Uh, it's a it's a Linktree link, so Linktree slash the love of cinema. Great, I will put well, that, that in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great if you could just throw all, all the links within yeah, or within that Linktree all, link. It all takes the you to all we have. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the love of cinema pot. Uh, and if you want to talk more about Reefer Madness, the movie musical, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersongpod. Uh, I don't really know what else to ask people. They don't respond anyway. So <laughs> if you, and, um, okay. So usually I, I end the episode by saying, if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about blah, but like the next episode, uh, I don't know if you saw this on the socials, everyone, but I'm actually going to put out the, the live we did two months ago for my birthday. So oh my God. the next episode Ooh. is life's but a song live. So stay tuned to listen to people and myself sing on that one. Ah, uh, <laughs> Jeff, Dave, John, thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, coming back, you. This is your first time. What? <laughs> it Good felt like nice. it just old felt friends. like a natural conversation hey, between friends. Old but... friends, what do you say? Y'all are welcome to come back on in any combination. I will just throw that out there. You know, oh. yeah. So if you want, thanks, if, John. So. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and bye for now. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to Castbox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.